0: Welcome to a special edition of Anglican Unscripted episode 552. I'm Kevin Coulson.
1: I'm George Conger. And I'm Phil Ashey.
0: And today is November 18th, 2019. Okay, welcome to another program, a special program. We have a special guest with us today. But before we get too far, I need you guys to do what you guys do best. Like the program on YouTube and Facebook. Please share with your friends and do what everybody loves to do. Go to the comment sections and give your opinion and keep the conversation going. We love to read that. Um, we have Canon Phil Ashley on. He uh, is a distinguished member of the uh, a AC, um, a c on the American Anglican Council, and I thought we 'd uh, invite him on because we 've been talking for the last uh, seven to ten days about the new covenant that was uh, written and passed by the global South, and he certainly helped write that and helped uh, put it together, and he would give us some of the insight of that and we also have a new document written by Stephen Nill today asking some questions why would there be duplication in some areas between the Global South and GAFCON and we're going to have what's called Inside Baseball. This is where we talk about you know the minutia of everything going on inside the Anglican Communion and the renewal inside the Anglican Communion. Uh, Phil welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Kevin, and thank you, George. It's good to be with you today.
0: Okay. Now, people need to know if they see that our voices aren't always matched up to our, our video. We're doing this on the fly from a slow connection here at Disney to a slow connection at St. Bart's. And wh- where are you coming to us from, Phil?
2: Well, I'm, I'm coming from my library uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Okay, great. So let's, let's get on... Um, First, uh, congratulations on the covenant. Uh, I've read through it now a couple times, and it is certainly something that's needed, uh, if not just at the global self level, at the level of the Anglican communion, and maybe adopted uh, further beyond that. Um, congratulations on this.
2: Well, thank you. You know, congratulations and lots of uh, prayers needed, because of course it was accepted uh, in principle at the Global South gathering in Cairo on October 11 and now it goes out to all the provinces um, both in the Global South and those that want to sign on because of the um, of the biblical faith that is at the heart of it
0: mm-hmm. um, it's good to have this I want to kind of get into the minutia where we don't see any, in any other covenants and that's the mm-hmm. ability to hold um, provinces and diocese accountable. Uh, Yes. Why is this something that's so hard to get past in other proposed covenants?
2: Well you know uh, that this covenant describes why the uh, proposed Anglican covenant uh, ultimately failed because it didn't have either a robust set of uh, doctrinal affirmations nor did it have um, a, a section that would address this ecclesial deficit, mm. which is, uh, as the Windsor Continuation Group reported, you know, it's the inability of anybody in Anglican communion to say anything that uh, that, that carries any force doctrinally within the communion and, and that corrects falsity and imposes consequences. This covenant, this Global South Covenant, uh, uh, we're calling it the Cairo covenant, mm-hmm. um, is uh, is such an instrument. It actually imposes self-discipline if someone strays outside the limits of the fundamental declarations in word or practice.
0: One of the things, and y- people do probably don't know this, but you travel a lot. In uh, all the times that George and I have traveled to these conferences and primates meetings uh, where there was next meeting-itis, Um, You were there, too, and you would see the primates get together. They would put together a wonderful document holding the Episcopal Church and uh, maybe the Anglican Church of Canada accountable. They would say to Rowan Williams, here, go do it. Or they would say to um, Justin Welby, here, here, uh, we're holding the Episcopal Church accountable. And there was never any follow-through. Will there be follow-through with uh, this covenant?
2: Yeah, so so if I can just um, comment on that. You know, the, this is a covenant for the global South mm-hmm. and for all those that are apart and sign on to this. And so we know that there are some provinces that will never sign up. The Episcopal Church will never sign up. It couldn't uh, because by its very nature of what it has both done and affirmed, uh, it's in violation from the get-go of the fundamental bishops, the Anglican formularies that are at the heart of this covenant. What this covenant purports to do is to hold those to sign on to these classic Anglican formularies um, accountable to that. And to say in so many words, it's sort of following what Philippians 2 uh, says in terms of the mind of Christ, that... Um, We we consider not our autonomy something to be grasped, but emptied ourselves of that for the sake of interdependence and full communion. And in that, we're a witness through this existing body called the Global South of what full communion can look like in the Anglican Union. So this is very much, as the document says, an embrace of the spirit and calling of John the Baptist. It's taking an existing instrument of the Anglican communion, a regional regional body, repurposing it to demonstrate what actual Anglican conciliar governance should look
0: like at the global level. What's the difference between the GAFCON and the Global South? You know, I think of it like uh,
2: the difference between AAC and ACNA. The okay. uh, american, american council is a prophetic movement that has been, um uh, uh helping uh you know orthodox Anglicans come together we're not part of the organizational structure uh you won't find us on the org chart of acna because we are not an ecclesial body we don't uh, you know we don't ordain uh and uh, uh oversee churches but we speak prophetically uh, into the life of Anglicanism in North America and play a vital role in telling the church what it needs to do and be and filling in those places where uh, the ACNA uh or is not designed to act. I look at GAFCON in the same way. Sure, I was just looking at uh, Archbishop Ben Quashie's 50-minute uh, introduction to GAFCON on the GAFCON website. And he says, GAFCON exists to support Orthodox Anglicans who want to proclaim Christ faithfully to all the nations and to stand for that kind of biblical authority and clarity. Uh, that's the role of GAFCON. Uh, and uh, it has been a wonderful gospel movement. And frankly, whether this Covenant succeeds or not, Afcon needs to continue to be that voice uh, and to be that um, that body, like the AAC, is outside the organizational structure that can speak truth and always stand for biblical faith and order.
1: May I may I ask a uh, uh, comment on uh, the point that Kevin raised, and that is, uh, Steve Noel points out that the the draft of the Global South. Uh, document was presented to the GAFCON primates uh, on two occasions, and they declined to move forward with it. And the Global South moved forward anyway and adopted it. And yet, many of the primates who declined to move forward with it, as GAFCON took it forward as the Global South. Um, sure. What What's going on with that? What What can we take away from that? You this- know. Um- Are there groups, are there circles within circles, or actions, or how can we understand this uh, movement?
2: I think you need to understand, or we can help understand it um, in terms of the historic context, which is, you know, there's a rift back in 2008 between GAFCON and Global South, and it's legal. Um, And that rift uh, has been in need of healing for quite some time. Going all the way back to the Gaf, uh, the, the Global South gathering in 2016, where the GAFCON and Global South climates together made a statement about human sexuality, which they reaffirmed at this October 11, seventh uh, gathering in Global South, and pointed that out. This gathering is an attempt to heal that rift. Um, it's very interesting that we had of the uh, of the GAFCON provinces that were that are listed on the GAFCON page. We had Chile, Myanmar, Brazil, Rwanda, Congo, South Sudan, ACNA, and Sydney, which isn't listed as a province, but clearly is a major player. Uh, Nigeria was present in this uh, in this Cairo covenant gathering. The primate wasn't there because he had internal matters to deal with Nigeria, but the Nigerian delegation voted in favor of this covenant. Uganda missed his airplane. Kenya didn't have uh, uh, it on his calendar. We don't know what happened to Greg Venables uh, and South America. But Chile was there. So the majority of the Gafcon primates... Uh, uh, were there with their Global South hats on saying, we have to get DAFCON and Global South to work together. Now, how do I know that? Because I was in the room with them when they were talking about it. I was invited as someone on the draft party and with the team to listen in. And their heart is, we need to heal this rift. And this covenant is a way to do that, to get both groups working together for the good of the Anglican community.
1: But where does the Jerusalem declaration stand in all of this? Is it a historical document at this point or is it a living constitutional or uh, structural uh, part of the life of uh, these churches?
2: Yeah, you know, um, again, just part of the background Um, because I know Steve's raising this question, why isn't the Jerusalem declaration in this covenant? Uh, and the answer is um, that a uh, a former leader of GAFCON asked the leadership of Global South to remove every reference to the Jerusalem Declaration and the Jerusalem Statement, lead every reference to GAFCON from the government. Uh, now, what I need to tell you is that the present GAFCON leadership is entirely in favor of having both groups work together. And when we were together uh, in terms of talking about healing the rift uh, in Cairo, the, uh, the Gathcon primates, their spirit was, how do we reach out and get as many people who are biblically faithful on board with uh, with covenant? And together, as they talked about it, and this included the Gathcon primates, um they were saying, you know, at this point it's gonna be difficult given the uh demonization of Gafcon by Canada. It's going to be difficult uh to uh to have the Jerusalem Declaration reinserted back into the document after the former leadership of Gafcon asked that it to be taken out.
1: Um, Phil, Phil if I if I may um there was an article in the Irish Times today where the new Bishop of uh, Down and Dromore, who succeeds Harold wow. Miller, uh, his name just went out of my head, but he's attended all the GAFCON meetings that I can remember, and he's fully on board. And some yes. Southern Irish liberals said this man should not be a bishop because he's a member of GAFCON and GAFCON is homophobic and misogynist. You know, y- yada yada yada. Um, is can the Global South be understood to be, I don't want to say sanitized version of GAFCON, but the next iteration of GAFCON or of principles underlying GAFCON? Is that a fair way to describe it?
2: No, I'd say there are two different groups, George. But if you look carefully at the document, you'll see that everything that's in the Jerusalem Declaration is in the Global South Covenant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, take a look at the... The uh, fundamental declarations in section uh, in section one, and then uh, you'll see that clauses one through seven of the Jerusalem Declaration are there. If you look at the discipline that is imposed uh, in um, in both section one and uh, uh, actually in section two and in section three, uh, it's exactly what you find in uh, Jerusalem Declaration clause thirteen. We even use a lot of the same language about proclaiming Christ faithfully to the nations. The organic connection, you know, between faith and mission, it's all there.
1: What was the reason the former primate uh, put forward for obliterating references to Gafcon and the Jerusalem Declaration?
2: You know, I can't really speak to that. I wish I could. It's a mystery to me. And I think it's all part of the old past history and past tapes that we're trying to heal and overcome by bringing growth both groups together. And that's what I love about Archbishop Foley and uh, Archbishop Ben Kwashi is that they're building bridges and constantly drawing people into this uh, into this fellowship, this larger fellowship of Bible-believing Anglicans, where both Japan and Global South are going to play a vital role
0: tell me uh, five years down the road and ten years down the road, how do you envision the relationship between GAFcon and the global South uh, five years from now or ten years from now is there a point in the future you would see the merging or that they'll always have two charisms
2: you know i I, I couldn't predict it
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, again I look back at my own experience you know with the AAC where people said, well why doesn't the AAC merge? you know, in ACNA. And the answer is because someone always needs to be able to speak truth, you know, to, uh, to the household of God. And sometimes, uh, it's a lot easier to speak truth to the household of God when you're not necessarily in the organizational structure and, and beholden to it.
0: You're speaking my language.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, But you know, both are needed. Yes. Uh, you, you need both the modality and the sodality. Hmm. You know the, the the ecclesial structure to address the ecclesial deficit, and you know you need the uh, the, the the mission society, the GAFCON people, uh, uh, to address gospel the deficit, the, the false teaching, and to do it
0: fearlessly. You uh, reported in a video you posted on the AAC website. That uh, Archbishop Duncan said this is the the greatest document since uh, the the formation of the Lambeth Conference, and yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, it is. It's a great document. Why has there been no news? Is there? Are you guys blacking out the news? Why haven't we really heard about this uh, from the rooftops of, uh, or sorry, from the steeples of the Anglican churches around the world? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I think.
2: But my hunch is that um, as this goes out to the provinces, you will hear about it. Because I think Canterbury, when they really read and digest fully what this covenant says and what it does, um, they're going to come at it. Uh, they must. Uh, because it's, it's a repudiation of the existing instruments uh, at their failure to address the ecclesial deficit. Uh, and a robust defense of uh, of biblical faith and order and its connection with mission
0: so I, I was told by an insider that Canterbury had people there uh, and oh, yeah the people, and the people there tried as best they could to not thwart the whole document but stop some of the things that was going to be very uncomfortable for the Church of England and Canterbury on down the road
2: That's it. I watched some of those things unfold. Okay. But um you know it's it's just remarkable when you when you think about this. Uh, you know, let me just read one one paragraph, the closing paragraph in the executive summary. It says um the Anglican the very last sentence. The Anglican communion, in truth, for the first time since the late 20th century, is a world reality. What are they saying there? They're saying this is not just a creature of the Church of England anymore. Whether the global communion is destined to flourish or to expire together as one global family, God calls us in the fullness of time to give concrete expression to a truly one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic Communion, not Church of England, not a cologne empire, but communion, real communion for the first time. And that's what you gotta love about this document is what it's aiming at. And it does it with a language um, that's, uh, that, that echoes the Jerusalem declaration and adds even more in. Like for instance, this section in uh, the fundamental declarations which says sacred scripture has spoken the matter is decided the authority of the holy scriptures within the church is a function of the scripture's authority over the church we reject therefore the hermeneutical skepticism that commits the church to a near infinite deferral of decisions on matters of faith and morals talk about hitting the ball out of the park i mean that's a description of everything that's gone wrong in the anglican communion that that near infinite deferral of, uh, of of any decisions on moral and ethics uh, based on the idea that the context of scripture rules the content of scripture so,
0: so you know it's you're saying you're not going to have any indaba uh, sessions coming up in the no in, no, okay. no no <laughs> no indaba well that that's really good news um i i you know george and i are working overtime this is our second show today george do you have any uh, questions before we close out
1: no, oh, I think we're set.
0: Okay, Phil, I do want to thank you for coming on the program. It's good to, to have you on from Atlanta. And uh, George, you get back to your your beach life there at St. Barts. And uh, I have a I have an appointment with Mickey Mouse tomorrow at the Magic Kingdom. I, I, I understand. I'm Kevin Carlson, and you've been watching Anglican Unscripted, episode five hundred and fifty-two.